Resting with Chase, your one-stop haunt for all things spooky, bitchy, and more. I'm Bailey Bennett. <laughs> and I'm Grant Jacoby. Why, why do we do this? And welcome, welcome. to the um, the not-so-final, but final-for-now mm-hmm. episode of Resting with Chase. And happy Halloween. And happy, oh, right, this is coming on Halloween. I know. Like, it <laughs> truly could not be more perfect. I know. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry that we decided to start the episode that way. But it just shows we're just, like, so on the same page. We're so in sync. We, just, we like, are read in each other's love. thoughts. <laughs> I was trying oh, to think of a word that could start with TH besides thoughts, and I could not. Mm. Um, you were thinking of thoughts, but, like, the other kind. I actually was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really was. <laughs> actually, whenever I, I text and say the word thought mm-hmm. with a G-H, I like to just, like, remove it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, guess what? If you can hear those sipping noises, you guessed mm-hmm. it. We're drinking alcohol. We are. Um, I was a little late to recording this podcast because I was truly on the hunt for a pumpkin beer to really just kind of yeah. put the cherry on top of this. Um, if I can set the scene for you, I, I, Grant was waiting for, we're, we're recording at night right now and Grant was waiting for me to get out of work at a bar that is truly two minutes away mm-hmm. from my apartment and I was like, okay, I'm I'm off the train. I'm walking to my home right now thinking Grant would probably like meet me in the doorway and he arrived literally 30 minutes later. <laughs> well, to be fair, I, I gave you a little buffer time because uh-huh. I knew that you hadn't eaten, you hadn't had dinner yet. Thank and you. like, I didn't want to just be like, hi, I'm here. <laughs> like, and just like stare at you while you eat. Um, well, I would have liked it. I mean, I know now for the future. <laughs> Speaking of the future, if you haven't listened to a previous episode where we talk about it, <laughs> we have a new podcast that has launched. Mm-hmm. We released our uh, pilot episode last week. It's called Teen Spirit. You mm-hmm. can find it in Apple Podcasts, also on social media at Teen Spirit Pod mm-hmm. on Instagram and Twitter. Also on Stitcher and SoundCloud, if that's your thing. Fuck yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, I think we, you guys have been so supportive so far, which is awesome. And I know for a lot of you, you know, this is a this might be a hard transition and it is for us as well, but it's also very exciting for us. Listen, change is hard. Mm-hmm. Change is the hardest thing that one especially as an adult i feel like when you were a child like when it was like oh like now you're off to middle school now you're off to like whatever like Mm -hmm. summer's over you just were like used to it and it was like okay like this is a fact of life where now as an adult where like you start a job or you start you move into an apartment and there really isn't this like finite thing that dictates what's next Mm -hmm. Change becomes, like, pretty crippling. This is deep. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. No, I mean, there's there's no, like, there's no accepted end date end date for something that is just a creative endeavor. Exactly. So um, it, I think it just, it was just time for us 
to move on and do something that was going to be really fun and new and exciting for us. Mm -hmm. And um, we're so grateful to all of you who are willing to go on that journey with us. And as we've said before, as much as we would absolutely love to continue this podcast while doing the new podcast, it is just absolutely not feasible in terms of yeah. how much time we have. I was just telling Grant, I like was literally editing this podcast like in an airport in LA two weeks ago and like at like 11 PM and crying. So it happens. Yes. <laughs> it happens. Life happens. We are committed to being in your guys ears mm-hmm. every week. Um, <laughs> so it's, we're just going to take a little, we're just taking a little detour. Yeah. And we really, really, really hope you come join us because I think it's going to be a really fun time and we get to talk about things, mm-hmm. you know, still within the horror genre, but also talk about comedy and talk about, you know, we talk about, we can still talk about baddest bitches, but in a very different format. Yeah. And, and we're um, really excited to just be sharing a lot of our own thoughts and opinions rather yes. than regurgitating a story that already exists. Um, yes. So that's something that I think we're really excited about. Um, so not to harp on it too much longer. I know we've talked about it a million times, but please rate, review, and subscribe over at Teen Spirit so that you know whenever we drop more episodes there because we will be dropping some more episodes there before the end of 2019 and then starting regular episodes at the very start of 2020. So, um yeah, so thank you all who listened to the pilot episode on the Wrestling Witch Face feed. But as mm-hmm. we really just said, new episodes will drop on the Teen Spirit feed as opposed yes. to the Wrestling Witch Face feed. Yes. Um, but... What are we doing here today? So as promised, literally, I, I don't <laughs> even know when we first... I feel like it was must have been in the first couple episodes mm-hmm. when we were like... So like we gotta talk about those Salem Witch Trials. Like we'll get to it. It's a heavy hitter. And I don't think there would be a better way to mm-hmm. kind of close out this chapter of Resting Witch Face than to talk about the sandwich trials. Yes. So Bailey and I kind of agreed that we're going to save our badass bitch conversation to the end of the episode. And let's just like, I feel like we should just like dive right in yeah. unless you have other things you want to talk about. No, I would love, I would love to dive right in. Um, we have kind of divided the story today. Mm-hmm. So we're each going to be kind of telling half of it. It is, there is a lot. And Obviously, it goes without saying that there is literally so much more information yes. that we are not going to touch upon here yes. today, and you could study this for eternity. And, and people obviously have. People have written, like, graduate theses and yes. doctorate oh. books, uh, little, literal books yes. about these trials um, and apologies in advance if some facts are incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, I mean, I in my own research for my half, I found myself finding some a lot of contradictory information so Absolutely. i tried to just like go with what made the most sense and just a lot of a lot of <laughs> stuff that's like they truly don't know what happened because this was such a long time ago things were not well documented and what, like 30 to 300 years ago yeah somewhere yeah. around there yeah, yeah um so but and yeah and you're gonna see that a, a lot of like the, the gatekeepers for the the story of the salem witch trials are not the people who are they are the people who are prejudiced in this situation anyway. Mm-hmm. That didn't come out as I wanted it to, but you you get what I'm saying. Um, Mostly. Most of the time I get what I'm saying. <laughs> so basically, I'm, I'm going to kind of talk about a little bit of the context behind the witch trials, um, the initial accusations, and the things like that. And then Grant is going to actually get into the actual trials and the aftermath. So as Grant kind of touched upon, I do have to say, we have a won- wonderful listener named Kayla 
who sent us an email truly ages ago. <laughs> I think I was a toddler when she sent it, and we never responded because we suck. Um, <laughs> but she she is one of those people who did write a stunning thesis on the Salem Witch Trials, and hers was specifically on the uh, relationship between the Salem Witch Trials and Gothic literature. And we have not had a chance to read all of the amazing information that you sent through, but I did want to include just a few excerpts from her like thesis overview that she sent. Amazing. So she, I feel like she has she has a really great little intro here that I'm going to read okay, to you perfect. now. And again, this is from Kayla's incredible thesis. We are bad at research. Um, we are bad research. <laughs> bad at research. Okay. Um, so Kayla writes, um, the Salem witchcraft trials have been, and will likely continue to be, embedded in American culture. Over the centuries, the city of Salem has become synonymous with witches, magic, and the occult, making it a haven for modern-day pagans and a gothic trove of mystery and curiosities. The story of the Salem witchcraft trials is not considered one of romance, fantasy, or fiction, but a tale of true events so dark many of those involved wish to forget it entirely. The events of 17th century New England mark a time of religious intolerance that resulted in the persecution and suffering of innocent people. The trials have been recreated in works of art, literature, plays, and film, skewing and romanticizing the tragedy of the Salem witches in an attempt to understand the unexplainable. Okay. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. Thank you, Kayla. And now um, I'll get into my Wikipedia. Yeah. And now into the Wikipedia page of Salem Witch Trials. Please, guys, Google it and follow along. I rewrote this. Okay. I would I would like to say that Bailey, of the two of us, mm. is always the best at rewriting things. I Thank am you. one who likes to copy and paste and then just like ad lib. <laughs> but Homegirl does that. her real, puts her English major to good use. Thank you, baby. Um, okay. So as an... We should Meanwhile, also- I can't even read or write. <laughs> um, I, we should also say that we started to kind of cover this in the story of Maul Dyer that we did like a month ago. Um, so there's a little bit of overlap here at the front. Ugh, I tried to really God. get into some more detail. Perfect. So let me burp. Okay. The Salem witch trials occurred between February 1692 and May 1693. So it's actually a, a, a very short period of time when you look back on it, but so much bad stuff happened. Yeah, nothing nothing good happened in that those 10 months. No. So they were a series of hearings and prosecutions in which people... Ooh, that math was not correct. It was like... <laughs> I was like, wait, no, no. It was over a year. Oh, oh. yep. Just... Yep, you're totally right. Okay. <sighs> they were a series of hearings and prosecutions in which people were accused of witchcraft in colonial Massachusetts. So more than 200 people were accused. 19 of them were eventually found guilty and were executed by hanging. 14 of them were women and five of them were men. Um, one, one other man who is named Giles Corey was also crushed to death for refusing to plead and at least five people died in jail. So it was the deadliest witch hunt in the history of colonial North America. Um, despite being generally known as the Salem Witch Trials, um, these, the 1692 hearings happened in several towns around the area, such as Danvers, which was then known as Salem Village, Ipswich, Andover, and, um, Salem, of course. So the most infamous trials were conducted by the Court of Oyer and Terminer in 1692 in Salem Town. Which, which we'll get to. Yeah, we'll get to in just a minute. Skip forward 20 minutes if you want to hear my voice tell you all about it. No, don't skip me. 
Okay. Um, so unfortunately, Salem was not the beginning of witch trials in America. And while witch trials had begun to fade out across most of Europe by the mid-17th century, they continued on in the European outskirts and in the American colonies. So before Salem, 12 other women had actually been executed in Massachusetts and Connecticut during the 17th century. The earliest recorded witchcraft execution was that of Alse, A-L-S-E, Young, um, in 1647 in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, remember, obviously, that America was not yet free at this time. So New England had been settled by a group of religious refugees who were seeking to build a pure Bible-based society in America, gaining them the name of the Puritans. Now, there's, there is so much more about the Puritan religion and, and everything that the, all of the opposing forces in this situation. But to really dumb it down, Puritans. Please, please do. Dumb it right <laughs> down to me. I, literally, as you were saying that just right now, I was like, they weren't free because it has been literally like 40 years since I took U.S. history. Yes. Let's be, let's, let's remember this was before 1776. We did not have the Declaration of Independence yet. Um, so, Puritans opposed many of the customs of the Church of England, and as you can probably predict, the pure, conservative, and strict religious existence of the Puritans adamantly opposed any of the dark and sinful beliefs that may have gone along with that day's view of witchcraft. But it also does seem that, from the research that I've done, it seemed like people really, like, believed in witchcraft at this time though like they uh, were really, ob yes. obviously like it's like <laughs> like hardcore was, right so that that was that was an issue um this is the here's some really fun stuff i love this so as many of you know an overwhelming majority of the people who were accused and convicted of witchcraft were obviously women about 78 percent um unsurprisingly the Puritan belief overall and the prevailing culture of New England in general at the time was that women were inherently sinful and more susceptible to damnation than men were. This is that just... checks out. Right? I mean, yeah, you, you know, they were obviously right. But uh, <laughs> this is... It's just speculation, but I'm sure it has something to do with Adam and Eve. And, like, if you, if you really are, like thumping that bible like you Which you know i love to I, th yeah. I thump that bible every night Ooh. <laughs> uh then mm. Mm -hmm, um then you then you're probably going to adamantly believe that eve is the one who <laughs> you're gonna adamantly yeah. okay i'm just not you know what i'm not even gonna do my point <laughs> yeah listeners sexism existed mm -hmm. right from the dawn of man mm -hmm. all the way through now great so, <laughs> especially in Salem. <laughs> um, so Puritan women throughout their daily lives were constantly, constantly, actively trying to thwart attempts by the devil to overtake them in their souls, which is just a lot of pressure for a woman who you know already has a lot to do. So I would, <laughs> I, I would love to know if women actually really thought themselves to be more susceptible to the devil or if this was mm. more of a belief that was forced on them by society that they felt obliged to adhere to i mean i'm sure it was I'm gonna probably go with the latter maybe a combination of the two but yes um so puritans held the belief that men and women were equal in the eyes of god but not in the eyes of the devil women's souls were seen as unprotected in their weak and vulnerable bodies. And I mean... Are you, you agree? No, Grant, oh you know, women are very weak, especially when they're pushing other humans out of their vagina. Okay, let's be clear. I mean, I'm pretty weak, specifically in my wrists. <laughs> but... 
<laughs> they are dangling everywhere. They really are. Um, so these factors may inevitably inevitably explain why women were more likely to admit guilt of witchcraft than men. Hmm. Um, yeah. So historian Elizabeth Reese wrote that some women likely believed that they had actually given in to the devil and others might have believed that they had done so temporarily. However, because those who confessed were reintegrated into society a lot of the time, some women might have confessed because they thought that it would spare their own lives. Mm-hmm. So I think it was kind of just like a... I want to get out of the situation. I don't want to die. So we'll just say that I did it. I'm a witch. Sure. Right. Because I'm pretty sure if you confessed, if you mm-hmm. pled guilty to witchcraft, I don't think you were automatically executed. Mm-mm. I don't think so. And I think it was also like, I mean, we're going to get into this. I more. was going to say, I feel like I should know that because I'm doing the trial part. But but I think it was I, more of like earlier cleaned. on when the accusations were happening before the actual trials started. A lot of people, people were not like being sentenced to death at that time. They were just no. accusing a bunch of people and some of them were confessing and some of them weren't. But obviously this helps to explain how the whole situation kind of got out of hand mm-hmm. because the Salem witch trials, as we've spoken about in the past, are one of colonial America's most notorious cases of mass hysteria. So when this occurs, a group of people that can be a a small or large group begin undergoing a similar state of mental and or physical hysteria that causes them to act in a way that they normally wouldn't, which is often directly influenced by those around them. So they're all living in this small town together. They're obviously going to be influenced by the idea that this has to be witchcraft. These women have to be influenced by the Mm -hmm. devil. Um, So, prior to 1692, there had already been rumors of witchcraft in villages neighboring Salem Village and other towns. Cotton Mather, who was a minister in Boston's North Church, was a prolific publisher of pamphlets, including some that talked about his belief in witchcraft. And he's kind of a big figure in all of this. Sure is. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. Yes, Um, Cotton Mather, Mather, good good guy and bad guy. Ooh, like a and like a. Classic, uh, a classic anti-hero. <laughs> I was gonna say like a Dexter figure, <laughs> but probably not that. But like a like a Walter White, a classic sure. Walter White. Um, <laughs> so in his book Memorable Providences Relating to Witchcrafts and Possessions, which came out in 1689, it's a great book. It's one of my favorites. Um, describes how quote stupendous witchcraft had affected the children of a Boston Mason named John Goodwin. Um, Mather Mather talked about how the Goodwin's oldest child had been tempted by the devil and had stolen linen from a washerwoman named Goody Glover. Imagine the if the devil inhabited me, I think the first thing that he would have me do is steal linens. I'm also fucking obsessed with the fact that they referred to each other as goodies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Specifically when we get to Sarah Good, Uh who would have been Goody Good. Oh, okay, cute. Okay, great. Continue. So Goody was of Irish Catholic descent, and she was kind of, she was seen as like this kind of grumpy old woman um, and was described by her husband as being a witch. So we obviously have to believe that. I mean, we have no choice. We sure do. Um, So, because men are always right. So this may have been why she was accused of casting spells on the Goodwin children. After the event, four out of the six Goodwin children began to have strange fits or what some people referred to as the disease of astonishment. (laughs) These diseases... Um, and the disease quickly became associated with witchcraft. So symptoms included neck and back pains, tongues being drawn from their throats, 
and loud random cries and other symptoms included having no control over their bodies, such as becoming limber, flapping their arms like birds, or trying to harm each other as well as themselves. This sounds like a good Friday night. Yeah, I was me. like, honestly, does this not sound like being a rowdy child? Like, I, I don't know how extreme... Or a rowdy adult. Right, like, I don't know how extreme it was, but that doesn't... <laughs> That doesn't constitute, like, fucking having a spell cast on you to me. Agreed. Um, but obviously these fim- symptoms would then fuel the craze in Salem that began in 1692. Um, so basically you start with a close-knit, strict Pearson... Pier- um, you know what? I can't speak. <sighs> Checks out. <laughs> right on brand. You, you got it. It's too hard. So basically, start with a close-knit, strict Puritan society, add in a few ailments that can't be explained, get in a few outsiders from the community involved, and on top of that, have women actually confessing to these crimes of witchcraft just in an attempt to make the whole situation resolve itself more quickly, and clearly, you've got yourselves a dark American tragedy. Sure do. Yeah, so what is so crazy to me that like once you get really get into it, you start to realize that many of the people involved and many of those doing the accusing were children. Mm-hmm. So as history goes, the first two accusers in Salem Village in February of 1692 were Betty Paris, age nine, and her cousin Abigail Williams, age 11. So like a nine and 11 year old literally like like started the Salem witch trials, basically. <laughs> yeah. Also, side note. I researched the back half of this, did not research the first half. So these are true, genuine reactions. They were nine and 11. Yes. Which is, it's just. That's so interesting because obviously when it's depicted in like film and TV and like in mm-hmm. The Crucible by Arthur Miller, mm-hmm. they're perceived as like these like 16 year old like right. sluts who are just like, of course. Ooh, <laughs> like, mm, like, I'm bad. I'm going to call this woman, you know, she's a witch. Cute. That's why I'm so bad. I love this voice. I, um, I mean, I think that it probably has something to do with the fact that people live to be like 35 years old. So if you were nine, you were, you know, basically oh, an, if only an adult. Dream. But <laughs> um, yeah, th- these these two uh, young girls were already mothers. Yeah, I mean, probably. <laughs> so basically, the girls they were already like wed to their brothers. <laughs> God. Um, the girls began to have unexplained fits of screaming, throwing things around the room, making strange noises, crawling under furniture and contorting themselves into peculiar positions, which was according to an eyewitness account of Reverend Diodat Lawson, who is a former minister in Salem Village. So the girls also complained of being pinched and pricked with pins, but a doctor couldn't find anything wrong with them. And then other young women in the village began to exhibit similar behaviors, which is, again, mass hysteria because there's nothing wrong with these people. Uh, When the Reverend Lawson (laughs) preached as a guest in the Salem Village Meeting House, he was actually interrupted several times by outbursts of other girls who were all supposedly afflicted with this disease. I would just like to say that Mm -hmm. as someone who works with children, this this is a classic case Specifically at work with children revolving around physical activity. Of course. Dance. So one one kid's like, oh, like my knee hurts. Like I can't dance today. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly 
another kid, oh, like my hamstring is really sore. And then one's like, oh, my head hurts. Like, oh, like my my pinky is still attached to my hand. Yeah. Like I can't dance. And so of course. I am this is the least shocking thing in the world that like one or two children are like act like running amok and the right. other ones are like, oh, like, me, like too. me too. Ouch. Ooh, like who's pinching my butt? Of course. No one. Which is why these people Abigail. Sh- should not be allowed to accuse adults of casting spells children on children should not be allowed to do anything <laughs> they should be children do not, not have rights <laughs> okay so screaming great um wait what what, what is the, wait, what is that like i'm screaming i'm screaming oh it's when dwight's giving birth oh yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> to the watermelon important okay um because it's our final episode we have to know, throw in some office content make sure you mark the baby after yeah. it comes out or it may be you might take the wrong baby home okay um, so like we're saying, while you can understand how maybe the parents and some of the adults in the community might have been confused or afraid and not being able to figure out what was wrong with these girls, if they're, if the accounts of their afflictions are even to be believed, but it does seem like a very big leap to then start accusing random women of, in the community of casting spells on them and being witches. Yeah, here's I would shit say. Goes awry. So... But we'll see as we go on that these accusations were less random and more often fueled by racism and prejudice against certain types of men and women. So as we know, the first people who were accused and arrested for allegedly afflicting Betty and Abigail, um, as well as 12-year-old Ann Putnam Jr. and Elizabeth Hubbard, were Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tichuba, with Tichuba being the first. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. She is. (laughs) So... Um, as the first accused witch, Tichiba has become a pretty central figure in this history. Um, she was actually the Paris's slave who had come to them from Barbados and likely became a target because of her ethnic differences from most of the people in the, the village. I would, can I interject? Yes. So when I was in high school, mm-hmm. we did like a theater festival. Yes. And there was this infamous story of a school that did I because the the plays that we did had to be under 45 minutes mm-hmm. and they I don't know if they did like a 45 minute version of the crucible oh. or they did like some sort of 45 minute play about okay Salem witch trials and infamously instead of pronouncing it tituba the whole cast kept being like tit tuba <laughs> and I can't I can't see it tituba without thinking about a tit tuba oh, oh that's so nice above tits not, it's you know this is all very sad, but now I will be picturing a tit tuba for the yeah. You're welcome. Of the podcast. Sorry to shit all over like a nice moment about right. like or not a nice moment, not a nice moment, but you you know what I mean like yes. we're like being like oh like we're talking about like sexism and racism. I'm like <laughs> breasts. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad an exclamation of breasts happened in our final episode. <laughs> you are so welcome. I love. <laughs> As, just, a, as a gay man, I love boobies. <laughs> They're so funny. I literally just peered, poured beer on my face. Okay. Are you drunk? Why can't you I speak? don't know. I finished my beer and I'm not having any more. Okay, let's keep going. Um, so as we're saying, Tichiba is, uh, became a target, obviously. Um, and I have included a segment here, again, from Kayla's stunning thesis that further explains the situation a little bit. So she writes, Tichiba represented every version of other to the Puritan community. 
She was non-white, spoke a foreign tongue, and practiced a religion involving everything Puritans wished to eradicate. But information about Tituba is mostly compiled of educated guesses, as very little official documentation exists about what happened to her after the trials, and nothing detailing her background leading up to the trials. Historians have had to piece together Tituba's story from different court documents and diaries, leaving the, quote, Black Witch of Salem open for wide interpretation and speculation. Having confessed to the ac accusations against her, Tituba is rarely painted as a victim as the rest of the accused witches have been. Her convincing and detailed testimony helped fuel the belief that she instigated the events leading up to the trials. Um, then additionally, so that's the end of that thesis part, but so additionally, um, Sarah Good was a homeless beggar and was known to seek food and shelter from her neighbors. So she was obviously accused of witchcraft because her reputation did not fit neatly into the Puritan ideals of her town. Sarah Osborne rarely attended church meetings, so clearly a witch. Oh, God. Um, she was accused of witchcraft because the Puritans believed that she had her own self-interest in mind because she married an indentured servant, which is irrelevant, obviously. Um, but clearly many more would go on to be accused after this. Um, having been accused, these three initial women were then brought before the local magistrates on the complaint of witchcraft. Um, they were interrogated for several days, starting on March 1st, 1692, and eventually were sent to jail. Sarah Osborne would die here on May 10th, 1692. So, that always breaks my heart, and I have a lot of I that coming, the, the people that of course. died in prison just awaiting trial. Where it's right. like, cool, like... So glad, glad we they, did this. Yeah, like, this really worked out. Um, so throughout the month of March, many more were accused of witchcraft. A woman named Martha Corey, a child named Dorothy Good, another woman named Rebecca Nurse in Salem Village, and one more named Rachel Clinton in nearby Ipswich. Martha Corey had expressed skepticism about the credibility of the girl's initial accusations, obviously, uh, but this had drawn negative attention towards her. Um, however, the charges that were brought against her and Rebecca Nurse were upsetting and worrisome to the community because Martha Corey was a full covenanted member of the church in Salem Village and Rebecca Nurse was the same in the church of Salem Town. So the fact that people who they considered to be righteous and like similar to them in a lot of ways could be witches led them to the conclusion that anyone could be a witch and no one could be trusted. And... That church membership was no protection from the devil's clutches or from accusation. So what are we going to do? Um, in Ipswich, Rachel Clinton was arrested for witchcraft at the end of March on independent charges unrelated to the afflictions of the girls in Salem Village. Unbelievably, Dorothy, Dorothy Good, who was the daughter of Sarah Good, who had been previously accused, was four years old at the time. She was four. Are you kidding? No. And she was not exempted from questioning... <gasps> by the magistrates. Her answers, which I'm sure were literally nonsense because she was a terrified toddler being questioned by some like scary adult men. They were interpreted as a confession that implicated her mother. Shut the fuck up. It's just like, <laughs> who? Uh, who is doing this? Why men, is this the foundation of men, America? White men were doing this. White men are the worst. I say that as a white man. Yes, get out. It, mm. It's yeah, it really infuriates me. Um, Sarah Cloyce, who was Rebecca Nurse's sister, and Elizabeth Proctor were then arrested in April and they were brought before John 
Hawthorne and Jonathan Corwin at a meeting in Salem Town. The men were both local magistrates and also members of the governor's council. Um, Elizabeth's husband, John Proctor, tried to object to the accusations that day during the proceeding, which only resulted in him being arrested as well. Within another week, Giles Corey, who is Martha's husband and also a covenanted church member, remember he's one of the people that that ends up dying because mm-hmm. he was like, oh, crushed yeah. um, to death. I, I get it. Okay, great. Abigail Hobbs, Bridget Bishop, Mary Warren, who is a servant in the Proctor household and one of their accusers, and Deliverance Hobbs, who is a stepmother of Abigail Hobbs, were arrested and examined. Abigail Hobbs, Mary Warren, and Deliverance Hobbs all confessed and began naming additional people as accomplices. And as we described earlier, this was likely a way for them to avoid further blame or try to get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. More arrests would come after this. Sarah Wilds, William Hobbs, Nehemiah Abbott Jr., Mary Eastie, Edward Bishop Jr., and his wife Sarah Bishop, and Mary English. On April 30th, Reverend George Burroughs, Lydia Dustin, Susanna Martin, Dorcas Hoare, Sarah Mori, and Philip English were arrested. Yeah, shout out to Dorcas Hoare. I know. <laughs> that is a name to beat all names. <laughs> Changing my name to Dorcas Hoare. I love that. Um, Nehemiah Abbott Jr. was released because the accusers agreed that he was not actually the person whose specter had afflicted them. Mary Eastie was also released for for a few days after her initial arrest because the accusers couldn't confirm that she was the one who had afflicted them. Weird. But only... But don't worry, she was arrested a few days later because her her accusers reconsidered. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds all right. Mm -hmm. So... In May, accusations continued to pour in, but some of those suspects began to evade apprehension. So multiple warrants were issued uh, for John Willard and Elizabeth Coulson before they were apprehended. George Jacobs Jr. and Daniel Edwards were never caught. Until this point, all of the proceedings had been merely investigative, with no one being condemned for what they had done. However, on May 27, 1692, William Phipps ordered the establishment of the now infamous Special Court of Oyer and Terminer for Suffolk, England, and Middlesex counties to prosecute the cases of those in jail for witchcraft. At this time was when Sarah Osborne, who was one of the first three people accused, died in jail. Warrants were issued for 36 more people with examinations continuing to take place in Salem Village. And now I'm just I'm going to read a bunch more names, which will take a minute. But I always think it's important to just acknowledge all the people who had to go through this. Um, So and I'm not going to specify right now, but keep in mind that a lot of these people were related to one another and they were probably targeted. They were targeting some specific families of those who had already been accused. So. Sarah and that was and that was very common. It, it there yes. was a lot of fa- familial uh, relations amongst these witchcraft definitely um, allegations. So, Sarah Dustin, Anne Sears, Bethia Carter Sr. and her daughter Bethia Carter Jr., George Jacobs Sr. and his granddaughter Margaret Jacobs, John Willard, a- Alice Parker, and Pudiator, Abigail Soames, George Jacobs Jr. Daniel Andrew, Rebecca Jacobs, Sarah Buckley, and her daughter, Mary Withridge, uh, Elizabeth Coulson, Elizabeth Hart, Thomas Farrer, Sr., Roger Toothicker, Sarah Proctor, Sarah Bassett, all these names sound the same to me, Susanna Roots, Mary (laughs) DeRich, Sarah Peace, um, Elizabeth Carey, Martha Carrier, Elizabeth Fosdick, Wilmot Red, Sarah Rice, Elizabeth Howe, Captain John Alden, William Proctor, John Flood, Mary Toothicker and her daughter, Margaret Toothicker, and Arthur Abbott. 
When the court of Oyer and Terminer convened at the end of May, the total number of people in custody was 62. And now, take it away, baby. This is all you. All right. So, on June 2nd, 1962, the court of Oyer and Terminer convened in Salem Town with William Stoughton, the new lieutenant governor, as chief magistrate, Thomas Newton as the prosecutor, and Stephen Seawall mm-hmm. as clerk. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They're all horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first case that was brought up before the grand jury was that of 60-year-old housewife Bridget Bishop, which, like, mm. not that, like, that is an old lady, but... At the time. Oh, oh, God. At the time, they were like, she's already in the grave like, yes. as well. Also, could you think of a less threatening figure than a 60-year-old housewife? Like, no. fuck you guys. This is the thing about my mom listening I mean, to like, this being like, I'm, <laughs> 60, years, I I I'm like, 60 years young. Well, never underestimate women. We could all be witches, but. Also, my mom is 37, so. Of course. Um, <laughs> uh, so, she, yeah, she was brought upon the grand jury um, who they... Uh, endorsed that all the indictments against her were true. Mm-hmm. Um, Bishop was described as not living and more, not living a moral lifestyle, uh-huh. whatever that means. Sure. Um, which apparently consisted of the fact that she wore black clothing and odd costumes. I mean, <laughs> which I have a question because didn't all the Puritans wear black? Weren't they all like, I don't know. Or did they wear white? Oh, I, I really couldn't I tell really you. have like pictures, but like if, if wearing black Clothing is the criteria, then. Uh, yeah, we're all fucked. We are fucked. Um, yeah, so apparently this was against the Puritan Code. Um, she was also examined and discovered to have a third nipple, <gasps> which was also deemed a sign of witchcraft. <laughs> wow. Um, several people testified against Bishop, saying that the shape of her would pinch, choke, or bite them. The shape also threatened to drown one victim if she not, did not write her name in a certain book. During the trial, any time Bishop would happen to glance upon her accusers, they would immediately faint, and only her touch would revive them. Oh, sure. I'm sure. This supposed touch test um, was used in other cases as well, and was explained as Reverend John Hale as, quote, The witch, by the cast of her eye, sends forth a malefic venom into the bewitched to cast him into a fit. And therefore, the touch of the hand doth by sympathy cause the venom to return into the body of the witch again. I mean, that's fucking awesome, and I hope like, that that's true. Also, like, can I have can I have I that want power? That. I would like that for myself. And you really you have someone living among you who can um, a- allegedly revive people who have fainted, and you don't want to like fucking use that. Weak. Okay. Uh, more allegations against Bishop were made during the trial, including a woman saying that the apparition of Bishop tore her coat, and upon further examination, her coat was found to be torn in the exact spot. Oh my god! It's been like, um, excuse me, um, Bishop Bridget Bishop gave me a butthole. Will you check and make sure that mine's there? And they're like, oh, she has a butthole. It's she's a witch, just like that. <laughs> Oh, God, you're welcome. Um, (laughs) Due to this quote-unquote evidence, Bishop was convicted of witchcraft and was the first to be executed by hanging on June 10th, 1692. That is, okay. This is, I mean, this is going to keep happening, but it just pisses me off. Yeah, thank God that I got the blessed task of reading all the people that get executed. (laughs) Great. Um, Immediately following um, 
Her execution, the court adjourned for 20 days until June 30th, while it sought advice from New England's most influential ministers about how to proceed next. Because I think basically the town was like, ooh, like, shit, we just, like, we killed killed a witch. Like, what the fuck do we do? Yeah. Um, In summary, so this is a part that, like, I just, like, really didn't feel like reading too much Old English, so I tried my best to summarize it. It's fine. I hope it's correct. Um, But they concluded that in order to protect the good Christian faith in the town of Salem, which at the time was, like, really the biggest concern. Uh-huh. The Puritans were, like, really fucking hardcore Christian, and they yeah. really were really concerned about offending God and letting the devil into their lives. Uh-huh. Um, so they believed that they must continue the trials to weed out the demonic practices they believed that they were up against. And quote, uh, We cannot but humbly recommend unto the government the speedy and vigorous prosecution of such as have rendered themselves obnoxious Okay. Uh-huh. According to the direction given by the law in the laws of God and the wholesome st- statutes of the English nation, English nation for the uh, detection of witchcrafts. Uh huh. So basically, being like, in order to protect Christianity yeah. in the town of Salem, we have to not only go forth, but we have to go forth harder. Uh huh. Okay. Um. So while there was some debate and if the trials should actually proceed at all, notably led by a man named Nathaniel uh, Sultanstall, who actually resigned from the court after they refused to bar the admission of spectral evidence, mm-hmm. which was the over, um, which I'll get into in a second. Um, the overwhelming consensus is from the uh, these ministers and the kind of the general public was that the they should proceed with the prosecutions with more vigor than before. Mm-hmm. So, for clarification, spectral evidence was the testimony of the accusers who claimed to see the apparition or the shape of the person who was allegedly afflicting them. That was obviously a copy and paste moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- there was a theological di- uh, dispute that ensued about the use of this evidence, which was based on whether uh, the person had given the permission the devil to use his or her apparition to afflict pain on someone else. Okay. Um, this is making sense. Sure. More or less. So, yeah. ba- so basically, like, these girls that were accusing were being like, someone could be up on the witness stand and they were like, oh, but like her shape is over here and they're like, she's pinching me and she's poking uh-huh. me. And so the, the court justices were basically like, should that be considered evidence? <laughs> and the overall conclusion was, yes. Of course. If a child is like, oh, even though everyone else can see her over there, she's actually over here and like, ouch. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so fucked. It's there's so no, fucked there was up. no chance for anyone to get out of this. Um, yeah, it was really a witch hunt. Nice. Um, <laughs> so opponents of this uh, this line of questioning and testimony actually they actually didn't believe that this was bullshit. They just thought that um, that the devil could actually use anyone's shape to oh. this. So they, they were like. No, in fact, the devil is actually tricking you and making you think that that person is afflicting you when actually they're not. Whereas the court actually deemed that the devil could only use the person's shape with permission and that that person must have actually sold their soul over to the devil. It's just like, (laughs) how can the court decide any of these things that it is literal bullshit they are just making up as they go along? Because... Paranoia was rampant, yes. and because they believed in the Bible so wholeheartedly that they were like anything that was wayward. I mean, the fact that the first people accused were, yeah, I mean, Bridget Bishop wore black, and they were like, "Well, she's a fucking weirdo, right?" 
Of course, yeah. How dare she? She's a witch. Right. Um. So yeah, that was the um, the smoking gun. Right. Was the fact that a bunch of children were saying that an apparition of some people were pinching them. them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, from June 30th through early July of that year, grand juries endorse indictments against Sarah Good, Elizabeth Howe, Susanna Martin, Elizabeth Proctor, I'm reading these names again, you already read them, John Proctor, Martha Carrier, Sarah Wilds, and Dorcas Hoare. Mm-hmm. Um, suspect uh, Roger Toothaker died in prison on June 16th. Uh, Sarah Good, Elizabeth Howe, Susanna Martin, and Sarah Wilds, along with Rebecca Nurse, went to trial at this time, and they were all found guilty. And all five women were executed by hanging on July 19th, 19, uh, sorry, 1692. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, this is a real bummer. Were, uh, were any of them actually burned at the stake? Or is that like a legend? I think that's like legend. a I think being burned at the stake was like a a true ye old uh-huh. method. Like okay. BC okay. method. Like mm-hmm. Joan of Arc nonsense. Right. Um. Um, in August, grand juries indicted George Burroughs, Mary Eastie, Martha Corey, George Jacobs, and John Willard, Elizabeth Proctor, and John Proctor. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth Proctor, however, was given a temporary stay of execution because she was pregnant. Um, Great. Yeah. Which actually, like, is a recurring theme, actually. And there was some sympathy that was given out. I mean, well, you know on. how people who are religious love having children. Mm-hmm. And love protecting the lives of children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the first uh, pro pro life action was oh God. sparing Elizabeth Proctor. Wait, so John Proctor is the main character of the Crucible, right? Yeah. So the Crucible focuses on the Proctor family. Okay. So John Proctor, Elizabeth Proctor, mm-hmm. and um, God, it's been a hundred years since I yeah, read no, it. I, um, I... Thought a very long time ago. It's a it's a brilliant brilliant play. Yeah. Um. And it was written in the 1950s around the time of McCarthyism and mm-hmm. the rise of um, socialism and communism. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like played into this scare of yeah the other and the, the um the whatnot. It's a great play. Highly recommend it. Really 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 well done. Um, film version was released in the 90s with. I was supposed to say Winona Judd. Um, <laughs> Winona Ryder. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's Daniel Day-Lewis and Joan Allen. Oh. I, Pulling that I don't. right out of my butt from sophomore year English class, you sophomore year of high school. very likely right. Thank you. I hope I am. I'll double check it later. And if I'm not, then please delete that. <laughs> um, but back to the deaths. So on August 19th, Martha Carrier, George Jacob Sr., George Burroughs, John Willard, and John Proctor were all executed. Oh, my God. All by hanging. Um, so in the case of George Burroughs, upon, this is so fucked up, on being brought up to the gallows, George Burroughs, who was actually a minister in the town, began to recite the Lord's Prayer as a way of trying to incite a reversal of the execution, mm-hmm. as supposedly witches were unable to speak biblical texts. Uh-huh. So initially the crowd seemed to be affected by Burroughs' attempt, some even being moved to tears by accounts uh-huh. made by Wikipedia. Um <laughs> But his accusers maintained that they saw the devil in disguise feeding the words to Burroughs, and he was nevertheless hanged. I mean, what is... Uh, that, that, this is the thing, <laughs> is that when this group of people, and this is obviously in the case throughout history, not yeah. just U.S. history, when they're so... They, they 
so believed, like, like this person is evil, they will come up with any excuse out the literal booty right. to try and be like, nope, they're still a witch. Oh, the devil's up there. Yep. Can't, oh. be, can't be the case. It's so tragic, and it's... Ugh. Yeah, these people didn't have a chance. No. Um, in September of 1692, grand juries indicted 18 more people, including 81-year-old Giles Corey. Ugh. I didn't realize. Yeah, he was an old man. Oh, yeah, he was. He Giles. must have been like all oh, Giles. <laughs> um, so he was like fucking ancient mm-hmm. by Salem standards, right? And actually, he refused to plead at arraignment. Good. Um, and so, so as such, he was killed by. Oh God, let me see if I can wrap my mind around this French. Um, by the way, I took like twelve years of French. Um, Pienfort et dur which uh-huh. actually translates to hard and forceful punishment, which is a form of torture in which a subject is pressed beneath an increasingly heavy load of stones. Oh, my God. In, a, in an attempt to make him enter a plea. So it's debated on if Corey refused to enter a plea because he was trying to protect his family, his family name, and the estate because if, I guess if he had convicted, like, the British embassy could basically, like, seize all of his assets and his mm-hmm. family would be fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it was actually just merely a protest against the archaic nature of the trials. Oh my God. That's, I mean, imagine who, what kind of person do you have to be to be like, let's torture this incredibly elderly man under extremely heavy stones until his body is crushed. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. Um, so four of those who were indicted at this time pled guilty to the charges and 11 others were tried and found guilty. Um, on, in September 22nd, eight more people executed. Uh, Dorcas Hoare, queen, was given a temporary <laughs> reprieve after several ministers encouraged her to just confess to being a witch, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, this is kind of where I was mentioning earlier that I think that in cases, if you just confessed, it would help you because then at least they could be like, okay, like you're... Right, but that that doesn't really make sense to me. No. Okay. None of this makes sense. Okay. Uh, 77-year-old Mary Bradbury actually managed to escape from prison with the help of her family and friends. And Abigail Faulkner was pregnant and was also given a temporary reprieve a la, sorry, um, Elizabeth Proctor. Wow, I love that elderly woman escaping prison. Yeah, I want more information on that. Same. Turn that into a movie. Oh, my God. Um, Cotton Mather, who you referenced earlier, um, was during the course of these trials was writing a book called the wonders of the invisible world and actually sent that over to governor Phipps. I'm not sure what his Mm -hmm. first name is, who was apparently fighting off in the state of Maine at the time. Oh, I don't know what war was happening in Maine. Maine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Great. Uh, So because also think of it, this, this is actually like, the most obvious statement in the world, but so these trials are happening uh-huh. in the town of Salem. Yeah. No one else probably knew about it because no. th- there's obviously there's mail takes years right. or whatever. Like, right. There's no way to get information out there. So Cotton Mather is writing this book. He sends it off to the governor, the governor, the governor, the governor is like, uh, what? Oh my God. Um, I mean, there's barely any other States right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like truly, um, specifically because in the book, Mather explained how he felt that the spectral evidence that was used at the trials was very presumptive and, it, and that it alone was not enough to warrant a conviction. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Governor Phipps agreed and made the following statement, and quote, I hereby declare that as soon as I came from fighting and understood what danger some of the innocent subjects might be exposed to, if the evidence of the afflicted persons did not prevail, with an E at the end, either to the com- committing or trying of any of them, I did before any application was made unto me about it put a stop to the proceedings of the court, and they are now stopped, with a T at the end, till their majesty's pleasure be known. So Governor Phipps ended them? Yes. Hell yeah. So basically he found out what was happening in Salem and that all these people were getting executed mm-hmm. based off of no evidence. Right. Just true hearsay. Right. And he was like, nope, you can't do that. You're not allowed to just right. execute people because you're fucking paranoid and you're and freaking it, out. Well, that's the thing. It, like what you're saying, it li- they literally just needed like an outside perspective to look in on the situation and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Guys, let's. you've all like worked yourselves up into this communal mass hysteria like Mm -hmm. this is not normal or just precisely okay um so under phipps order there were no more executions Mm -hmm. under new and more skeptical leadership the trials actually did continue um in january 1693 the first to be tried were the five people who had been indicted but not tried in september uh sarah buckley margaret jacobs rebecca jacobs mary whitridge and job tookie all were found not guilty Grand juries were held for many of those remaining in jail, and charges were dismissed against many, but 16 more people were indicted and tried, three of whom were found guilty, Elizabeth Johnson, Sarah Wardell, and Mary Post. Mm -hmm. Um, When Chief Justice William Stoughton um, wrote the warrants for the execution of of these three and others uh, remaining from the previous court, Governor Phipps issued pardons, sparing their lives. Yeah, so, Governor Phipps is. Yeah, fucking. he was like on it. He basically was like, "Okay, like we'll we'll keep these trials going, but you can't just be like she's a witch, right? He's a witch, kill them. Right. You have to actually like there's proceedings you need to take into place, right? Um, in late January, early February of 1693, grand juries uh, tried five more people: Sarah Cole, Lydia Dustin, Sarah Dustin, Mary Taylor, and Mary Tuthaker. All were found guilty, but were re- but were not released until they paid their jail fees. Unfortunately, Lydia Dustin died in jail in March of 1693. More grand juries were convened throughout May of that year, ending with either dismissal of charges or or not guilty verdicts for all those remaining slash awaiting trial, finally putting an end to the series of trials and executions. Finally. So unfortunately, you know, not everyone made it out after the, they decided they weren't going to kill anyone else, but. Mm -hmm. um, Thank God it didn't go on for longer. Exactly. And, and obviously, like, who knows how long it could have gone. Like, there would be no Salem left. <laughs> right. Um, in the subsequent years and decades following the trials, survivors and family members sought to establish the innocence of the individuals who were convicted and to gain compensation. Mm-hmm. So various petitions were filed between 1700 and 1703 with the Massachusetts government, demanding that the convictions be formally reversed. Those tried and found guilty were considered dead in the eyes of the law, apparently. So, like, if you were convicted, they were like, you have no rights. Oh, great. There's nothing, like, you're, you don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and with their convictions still in the books, they were, um, uh, those not executed were very, very vulnerable to further, to further accusations, as well as other kind of petty governmental right. things. Uh, the general court initially reversed the these allegations for those who had filed petitions and the only three people who were convicted and not executed, which were Abigail Faulkner, Elizabeth Proctor and Sarah Wardell. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so in sorry this is kind of yeah menial but in 1703 another petition was filed requesting a more equitable statement or sorry equitable settlement for those wrongly accused but it was not for six more years when the general court received a further request that it took action to the proposal mm-hmm. so in 1709 which is like in what 20 years 15 yeah. years after the the mm-hmm. trials 22 people who had been convicted of witchcraft or whose relatives had been convicted of witchcraft presented the government government with a petition in which they demanded both a reversal of the um, conviction and compensation for financial losses. This petition thankfully was heard and was, uh, was taken into effect in uh, two years later, in October, 1711 when Jeez. all of those uh, records were expunged Um and they were compensated, which at the time was 578 euro pounds, mm. which was to be divided up between the complainants, which upon some really janky internet research, because there is no uh-huh. converter f- from $1692 when the U.S. dollar was did not exist <laughs> right, now. Right, right. Um, but it would be roughly $21,000. Total? That was divvied up. Jesus between, Christ. Between, like... Oh, my God. 40 people. Oh, so my God. They basically were like, whoops, sorry. Oh. Like, here's, like, a $200 gift card to Office Max. Good luck. Oh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. So, well, I mean, better that than nothing, right. I guess. Right. Um, funnily enough... In, in actually in the town of Salem, there was a lot of forgiveness that was made. Oh. Um, but not towards those you would think. So um, so the, the first kind of act that was made was that to reverse the excommunication of Martha Corey, who was, I guess, excommunicated after being found guilty of witchcraft. And then they were like, you know what? Gosh darn it. Maybe she wasn't a witch after all. Like, let's let her back into the church. So nice. Oh, yeah. Because I'm sure the first place that she would want to be was back in that church. Apparently she did. (laughs) And furthermore, um, Anne Putnam, who is one of the most active accusers of the witches. Great. um, On August 25th, 1706, came before the church, the Salem Village Church, and pled asking for forgiveness. Mm. She claimed that she had not acted out of malice. Mm. And but that she herself had been deluded by Satan into denouncing innocent people, um, <sighs> apologizing to Rebecca Nurse in particular, and she was forgiven and accepted with open arms into the church. I hope that's great. Um, I would just like to say that you cannot let the devil fight all of your battles for you. Okay, it's not a good excuse. Nope. Um, cool. Um, <laughs> so over the years, various monuments and landmarks have been erected to commemorate the trials and executions. On the 300th anniversary of the trials in 1992, in um, a memorial park was dedicated in Salem, which included stone slabs, sorry, stone slab benches inserted in the stone wall of the park for each of those who were executed. Um, I've mm-hmm. actually been to that monument. It's really quite lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, speakers of the ceremony included playwright Arthur Miller, who mm-hmm. wrote The Crucible, as well as um, Ellie Wiesel, who wrote The mm-hmm. Book Night, mm-hmm. and who was a Holocaust survivor. Yep. Um, in 1992, the Danvers Tercentennial Committee, next, don't mm-hmm. know that word, um, also persuaded the Massachusetts House of Representatives to issue a resolution honoring those who have died. 
after extensive efforts by Paula Keene, who was a Salem school teacher, as well as state representatives uh, J. Michael Ruane and Paul Tyrone, um, along with others, a bill was issued whereby the names of all those pre- not previously listed were added to this resolution. Um, when it was finally signed on October 31st, Nine. 2001, oh my God. by uh, Governor Jane Swift, more than 300 years later, all of those who were accused, convicted, and executed in Salem were finally proclaimed innocent. In 2001. Mm-hmm. Because Ugh. guess what, listeners? There were no active witches in Salem. Obviously. This, like, I don't, well, we mentioned that I mean, earlier. Yeah. There were, none of those who were persecuted for being witches in Salem were actually practicing witchcraft. Right. And also, like, in general, it is a completely false and prejudiced view of what it means to practice witchcraft and what oh, yeah. it means to be a witch. And, totally. uh, you know, we're, I'm not gonna, we're not going to get into that here today, but obviously... This is a dark, dark mark on American history. Mm-hmm. Um, just to wrap things up, because I know you're curious, you know, of like, why did these girls accuse these people randomly? And like, why did mm-hmm. the town agree? So the cause of the symptoms for those who claimed affliction of witchcraft continues to be a subject of interest. Obviously, um, various medical and psychological explanations um, have been explored by researchers, including psychological hysteria, some sort of like convulsive disorder from eating like bad mm. grains in bread, mm-hmm. um, or you know even fungus that actually can induce similar symptoms to LSD. Uh-huh. Um, but others say that it's you know less inclined to focus on biological explanations and prefer to actually explore motivations such as simply jealousy, spite, or just, you know, the need for attention. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? Children often seek attention. Right. Which is perfectly normal for a child. And most times a person in power is going to say, hey, shut up. Yeah. Right. Rather than Not being like, like, sure. Yep. Let's endorse Grounds this behavior. for murder. Um, wow. Oh wow. Okay, we did it. <laughs> That wasn't as daunting as I thought it would be. No, but. no, but it only took us two years, and that's um, that's what's important. So I'm glad I'm I'm proud of us. Yeah, a real um, a real skim milk. Yeah. Um, exploration of the Salem witch trials. Um, right. Obviously, if you're interested, please research more. There's a lot in there. It's pretty dark, and there's a lot of names and a lot of historical quotes and yeah. dates. <laughs> right. And, testimonies but it's really it's it's so crazy and especially you know in the times we live in now where marginalized folks are persecuted for simply existing it just is a really kind of harsh reminder that this is nothing new right this is something that's been ingrained in u.s history and global history since the dawn of man that anytime someone is an other that they are just called out and persecuted simply because they do not fit in right and we really haven't come as far as we think we have in a lot of ways which is um really unfortunate but again it's it's important to just remember that that this is our history and to keep telling it because these people should not be forgotten and what they went through should not be forgotten so Thank you guys so much for joining us for that. 
Uh, before we go, I know we wanted to do our our, our, our badass bitches. Yeah, just kind of um, wrap it up. Yeah, just kind of yeah, just kind of wrap it up. I know. Um, I mean, again, we already have at least one thing planned before the end of the year so like this is not goodbye forever but um you know we do want to take a minute to kind of say farewell to this podcast for now it's been something that's been a really big part of our lives for a long time and i already kind of spoiled this to you but for badass bitches this week i just wanted to talk about grant my number one badass bitch um (sighs) because as much as we love the spooky stuff and we've had so much fun talking about the various topics that come along with this podcast i think i hope we can both agree the best best thing that's come out of this is grant grant is trying to hold in a burp and i love him for it (laughs) i was trying really i was like oh hold on got it this is true friendship um Uh. yeah the best i think the best thing that's come out of this podcast is just that we've like really rekindled our friendship not that we ever not that it ever wasn't there but you know, there was a couple years after college where like we did not get to spend nearly as much time together as we did in college when we were uh, probably joined at the hip. So um, <laughs> I think it's just been such a pleasure to do this with you. And I'm so glad that you've re- you've committed to this with me. And like I it sometimes blows my mind that we really every week we're just like, yeah, so like what are we doing? When are we recording? Mm-hmm. It's just like we there was never a, a consideration of like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like it's too hard. <laughs> like we just yeah, it's just been such a fun thing to do together and i think we've learned a lot about each other and we work together really well and i i think you guys can hear the fact that we really are just here like catching up and talking as two friends and it's been it's been wonderful and you know i just am so happy to have you in my life going forward stop (laughs) um Likewise, independently before <laughs> Bailey texted me that that I was going to be her baddest bitch, um, I was also planning on talking about her as being my baddest bitch of the week because, oh God, <laughs> that feelings is hard. But you know, it is it is really rare in life that you're able to find a partner in crime. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> we talk a lot about crime on this podcast. Um, but to do something with and to and. To go into an endeavor that is can be extremely exhausting and mm-hmm. time consuming. And, you know, when we first started this podcast, I had no expectations of what it would become. Mm-hmm. And it has exceeded those expectations in tenfold. But th- at the end of the day, like, I love, obviously, all of the listener responses. And I've loved, you know, being able to interact with everyone. But at the end of the day, like, I'll look back on this podcast and be like, oh, I just had the fucking best time with you. And, yeah. you know being able to share a similar love of true crime and ghosts and murder and aliens and all that and Buffy and Mm -hmm. just being able to shoot the shin and just to create a sort of haven for, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but like there were a lot of times where like, I was like, Oh, like being able to like record with you was like the highlight of my week. Yeah. And that, in sometimes in darker times or when life gets hard, having that constant and having that be a place of solace has been beyond wonderful. And again, to just not rekindles the wrong word because you know, you and I have always right. have never gone more than 48 hours without being in contact with one another as long as we've known each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 
aside from my significant other, you've been the most constant person in my life. And I am so fucking grateful for that. And I'm grateful for this podcast for that. And I think it's, it speaks to our friendship and our dedication to our friendship and to you guys listening that the fact that, you know, once we both kind of independently and then we realized we were kind of similarly feeling the same way that we felt like this podcast was coming towards its natural conclusion that we were like, mm-hmm. let's just pivot to another yeah, one. It was never like going, <laughs> it was never like, Oh, like we need to stop this for the sake of our friendship. We need to stop this at, for whatever. Cause that obviously could have been the case that yeah. we got fucking sick of each other. And we were like, I would like to be with you only socially and not in any other format Then said, it's like, okay, like, let's just let it's yeah what, what is what is the carrie fisher quote oh god i need to look it up okay you look for it i was i was just gonna say that it's yeah i i mean i obviously agree with everything you're saying but i think that we've created just the most comfortable place here to to talk with each other and um we're just so connected and i know that any like weird reference that i make you will get it like mm-hmm. we, you like we really are um friendship soulmates in that way so it's just been um an honor and a privilege it really 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 has been and you know i think that are you finding the quote i am <laughs> yeah so the quote is nothing is yeah, ever can... really over it's just over there mm-hmm. and i f- actually first saw the quote actually after she passed and mm-hmm. of course at the time it was like so poignant for that and it just has stuck with me even though i couldn't just think of it just now which is really on brand for this podcast, <laughs> which is that you know things change we've talked about change at the beginning of this episode and um it's just about a, a reacclimation and a readjustment and um i'm really yeah i'm just really really grateful to you and to our friendship and to this podcast because it has taught me it actually but yeah it's really taught me a lot about myself mm-hmm. and you know blah, 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 blah. yeah I could, I could I could go on and on and it just yeah, be a but... lot of flowery language <laughs> about how much you mean to me and how much this podcast is meant to me and how much interacting with all of you guys has meant to me and to us yeah um I think I can speak for Bailey and saying it when we started this we had no idea what this would turn into and it's mm-hmm been beyond our expectations and beyond our wildest dreams. And we really, really fucking hope that you join us at team spirit because it's just going to keep going. Yeah. And we are, there's no other person I would rather do this with. There's no one I would feel more comfortable doing this with. Like this is, again, this is a haven for me and for both of us. And yeah, you guys have been such a big part of it. So thank you so much. All right. Um, I don't think we're going to do any complaints. Yeah. I think we don't need to complain today. (laughs) Um, Part of me was like, oh, we should go out and like one last complaint. But I think that I would, if if this is the last episode we ever release on Resting Witch Face, I don't think it'll be. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is, you know. It wouldn't um, kill us to end on a positive it, note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? And you know what? Life is full of complaints. Yes. God, I love to complain. Mm-hmm. But maybe take a second and just enjoy something nice in yeah. life because... Sometimes they're few and far between, but they matter and hold on to that. And um, and even that, if that's just, you know, popping in that Scream DVD and watching it for the 50 hundredth time, because Lord yes. knows that's what I'm going to do on Halloween, yes. which is today. Yes. 
Oh, same. Um, well, that's that's. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, just I guess rate, review, and subscribe, Team Spirit. <laughs> I mean, yes. Uh, yeah. Again, we'll be hanging out. We'll yeah. be hanging out more. We'll be. We're, we're bringing you more stuff. This isn't goodbye. It's just just a see you later. Exactly. See you soon. Bye, Bye bitches. bitches.